the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everybody. I am uh, praying that uh, you're having a blessed day and uh, that you have been enjoying the series that uh, we've been going through related to the comparison uh, the, between the God of Islam and the God of the Bible. Obviously, this is a very hot topic, and uh, I promise you I will continue along the lines of this particular topic, uh, and I'll take uh, a stab at it from different angles. For instance, um, uh, today's episode, and possibly uh, the one that will come after it, um, it's going to be um, uh, from the angle of sin and salvation, and we'll look uh, through that basically lens on a comparison between uh, the um, the theology of the God of Islam versus the theology of the God of the Bible as it comes to the um, uh, his views uh, re- related to sin and uh, his theology of salvation as he revealed it, for instance, in the Quran versus what the Bible reveals to us concerning the will of God to save people. So, uh, first I want to start with just a very um, generic, basically, um, question. Uh, When we call it salvation, obviously, one ought to ask himself, what are we being saved from? You see, in Christianity, obviously, uh, we are being saved from the damnation and the wrath of God. That has been revealed already. You know, in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 18, we read that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven. So it's not like it's being revealed or something that is in the present tense or in the future tense. No, it's in the past perfect tense, basically. It has been revealed. And therefore, we are already under condemnation. And no wonder then when we believe in Christ and the work of God on the cross, by faith, basically, in the grace that God has offered us, we are saved, and it's not by works, as the Bible teaches, then I'm not surprised then to read in the same book, Romans, in chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnations for those who are in Christ. So obviously, this condemnation, this curse, you know, this this eternal damnation, judgment, if you wish, um, has been lifted uh, when you are in Christ, a believer, a follower of Christ, believing in the grace by faith, not by your own works. So, uh, that's why the Bible teaches that, uh, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, 
And it proceeds to say in the same passage that God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but rather to give the world basically eternal life. And that's why uh, believing in Christ makes me saved person, saved from what? From the hellfire, saved from eternal separation from God, saved from the wrath of God, saved from the judgment of God against sin. Because in the eyes of God, I am a sinful person, and one sin or a hundred sin are one and the same, because our even um, uh, righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the eyes of God. Now, when it comes to Islam, really, Islam also does understand that salvation, uh, in, in a sense, although the same word is not used in that sense in Islam, uh, that it is a salvation also that will lead you into uh, heaven, but... Uh, heaven in Islam is not uh, something that is attainable, that is guaranteed just by virtue of believing in the God of Islam or following the Prophet of Islam or doing uh, the pillars of Islam and the works required of you as a Muslim person. And there is an exception to that, obviously. A jihadi has a chance of making it to paradise versus a good Muslim uh, whose good deeds and bad deeds are going to be weighed on a scale. So when it comes to Islam, man is not sinful. Man is primarily a good person, uh, made basically and created to be sinless, born sinless basically, and uh, can uh, basically work off his sin through good works. Versus the, uh, the Bible teaches that we are all sinful because sin has entered into the world through one man, that's Adam, and through sin, death, because the wages of sin are death like the scripture teaches. So this is a the contrast when it comes to sin and salvation between Islam and the Bible, and obviously between the theology of the God of the Bible and the theology of the God of Islam. So right there we can see a, a huge contrast between the two, that it's impossible that the God of the Bible, who revealed to us that we are only saved by grace, by faith, is the same God that 600 years later, not before, but later, dictates to you now that you are born good and you are saved by your good work. Obviously, there is something here that we ought to, um, you know, uh, consider. I mean, just a quick example. Uh, there is a story about the rich young ruler that came to our Lord Jesus Christ and said, Good teacher. And ask, how can I attain or obtain eternal life? And the Lord says basically to him that, have you done this and this and this and this? Referring to the commandments or parts of the Ten Commandments that deal with relationships with others, like parents and neighbors and everything else. And he says, I've done this uh, since I was a child. In other words, I think I am perfect in that regard. So what else do I need to do? And that's when the Lord says, okay, if that's the case, then... Why don't you sell your possessions and follow me? In other words, if you truly believe in God, then surrender completely to God and worship him and follow him, and he will give you eternal life. It's not your works that is going to give you eternal life, but it's your faith in God that is going to give you eternal life. And obviously, the rich young ruler uh, uh, walked away saddened by this request because he was so wealthy, obviously, and he wasn't able to surrender the God that he's worshiping, which is wealth. And that's basically what the Lord is trying to say. It is really not by works. It is actually by faith in the grace of God 
that will give you that eternal life. Now, um, does Islam teaches that sin entered into the world through the fall of Adam? Well, the answer is yes and no. And here is how it goes. Yes, in the sense that Islam does acknowledge that Adam and Eve sinned against God, disobeyed him, and that they were uh, basically rejected by God from his presence in heaven, and they were kicked out of heaven. And uh, one of the chapters in the Quran, for instance, chapter 7, verse 24, says this, God said, and he's speaking to Adam and Eve, get you down with enmity between yourselves. And the between yourselves here in the plural, and it's to some extent, some Muslims believe, some Muslim scholars believe that the plurality here is in reference to Adam, Eve, and Satan. Because in, in Arabic language, there is a singular, there is plural, but there is also a dual form. So obviously, it is not talking about a dual form between yourselves. In Arabic, it's talking about it in the plural form. And therefore, some will assert that this enmity is between Adam and Eve and between Satan. Well, I mean, to some extent, if you look at Genesis 3.15... Uh, that's exactly what the Lord says, that there'll be an enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the servant. Okay, but the, uh, the fundamental question here, does this enmity exist also between the seed of the woman, meaning they're all sinful and they're going to have enmity as well as a result of this? So let's read the verse one more time. God says, get ye down with enmity between yourselves on earth will be your dwelling place and your means of livelihood for a time, for a period of time, basically. So to some extent here, we're seeing somewhat a similar kind of a scenario uh, that is re uh, replicating what we read in the um, account of Genesis 3 and specifically Genesis 3.15. But Islamic theology fundamentally refuses uh, the idea of original sin and sinful nature for people. And the claim is that, uh, according even to the Quran, that uh, people are, are born sinless, that they are born good, that they forget and they are weak. And as a result of their weakness, frailty, basically, uh, fallibility, they begin to commit sins, but their solution to that, of course, is always good deeds and works and many other rituals and things that they can do to kind of like a patch uh, back any, um, you know, things that they accumulate by way of bad deeds. But the, there is some traditions in the um, uh, Islamic sources, primary sources, such as something called the Hadith. The Hadith are the sayings of the Prophet of Islam and one of the top collections, um, basically, of those hadith sayings is known as Bukhari collection. And we find that a, a basically a genuine, authentic hadith in the Bukhari collection in uh, uh, basically volume 8, hadith number 611, or it could be book 8, basically, uh, uh, hadith number 611. Uh, it says this. This hadith is narrated by a man, his name is Abu Huraira, very famously known in the Sunni traditions. Abu Huraira said this, The Prophet, meaning the Prophet of Islam, said, Adam and Moses argued with each other. And Moses said to Adam, O Adam, you are our father who disappointed us. 
and turned us out of paradise. So here is clearly in this tradition that Moses basically was disappointed at his father, his uh, uh, basically uh, human father, Adam, because we all come from Adam and Eve, obviously. In fact, Islam always called people the sons of Adam. Uh, you are the children of Adam. You are the descendant of Adam. And there's, that's true, of course. So Moses' uh, basically disappointment as Adam is that we all were turned away from paradise where Adam supposedly lived. Of course, the Bible said that he lived in a garden in Eden. That's the area, Eden, and in a garden in there, they lived there, basically. Uh, that we uh, they became a fallen, uh, basically, um, uh, f- f- they, they fell, I should say, after disobedient, and with them, all humanity have fell also. And here the, uh, the tradition approves that, the Islamic tradition, that not only Adam and Eve basically were turned away or turned out of paradise, but also their descendant, because Moses is saying, because of you, I'm not in paradise today. And that's really an important question I, I always like to ask. Uh, because Muslims, according to the Quran, believe that after the fall, Adam and Eve asked God for forgiveness for what they have done. And it says in the Quran that God actually forgave them. So my question becomes is, if God saved Adam and Eve, then how come we do not read anywhere that Adam and Eve were allowed back into paradise? Or... How come we do not read that God allowed their descendant, at least, who supposedly also are born sinless, according to Islamic theology, to go back into paradise and continue with whatever purpose God has for them, according to the Islamic theology? But we don't read about that. So there is a reason why not only Adam and Eve fell out of heaven or paradise, but also their descendants that came after them all the way until today continue to live outside of paradise. Now, in the Bible, we understand why this happened, simply because as a result of disobedient death, you shall die. That's what God says to Adam in Genesis 2.17. If you disobey me, you eat from this tree of the, uh, uh, the knowledge of good and evil, you are going to die, basically. And that's what happened. He was separated from God by virtue of disobedience, and the result of that, sin entered into uh, um, uh, his nature, and he died, and we all come from uh, from Adam, and we all die. I mean, this is pretty much what Romans 5.12 teaches, that sin entered into the world through one man, Adam, and as a result of that, death also, because we all die. So, to some extent, this tradition in the Hadith does agree with the concept and the doctrine of the original sin. But I'll, I'll lead you into there now. Let me show you another Hadith tradition. In the same uh, collection, Bukhari, book number 6, volume number 60, Hadith number 262, narrated also by the same person, Abu Huraira. This is what he says. The Prophet says, Moses argued with Adam and said to him, you are the one who got the people out of paradise by your sin and thus made them miserable. Notice, the people who are descendants of Adam, plural, all of your descendants, got out of paradise because of who? Your sin. So this confirms then what the Bible has been saying all along, that we are all out of the presence of God because of the sin of one man, and that's Adam. So this is really crucial. 
and important. In fact, some of my Muslim, um, you know, of if not majority of my Muslim friends and neighbors probably are not even aware of those traditions. And you can say safely that all Muslims believe that uh, there is no such thing as original sin. But here, uh, these two sample traditions by the Prophet of Islam clearly state that that's not the case. And obviously, uh, there is sin that entered into uh, basically uh, the life of man, and the result of that sin is the separation between man and God, and also all of his descendants in this case have been separated from God, because paradise is where God uh, exists actually, and uh, Muslims know that. Nevertheless, that now that you're out of paradise, then you are out of the presence of God, then you are out of a relationship with God. Now, does Islam agree also with the doctrine of original sin? In other words, uh, that people are basically born sinless. Let's take a look at a hadith tradition in another collection known as Termidi. Hadith collection uh, in the um, uh, Termidi collection, hadith number 118, also narrated by Abu Huraira. This is what it says. Allah's, Allah's messenger, that's in reference, of course, to Muhammad, said, When Allah created Adam, he touched his back, and there fell from his back every soul that he would create from his offspring. So notice what's what going on. God created Adam, and then he also touched Adam's back, and out of Adam's back fell every soul of all mankind that will come as descendants of Adam. Okay? Then it says this, Adam forgot and ate, in reference to the fruit of the tree. So Adam forgot and ate of the tree, and so his offspring also forgot. Notice, just as he forgot, the outcome is that they all forgot. Just as he sinned, all of his descendants sinned by virtue of his single act of sin. Okay? And it says, and he, in reference to Adam, committed an error, a transgression, and so did his offspring committed an error or transgression, meaning sinned. This hadith collection, basically, or hadith tradition, is very clear in terms of the fact that Islam, according to these traditions, does teach the idea that mankind have sinned, and not only that, but they are separated from God, and not only God, uh, that, as a result of this, they are still separated from God till today, which means they are in error, meaning transgressors against God, and this is why they're separated, by virtue of the sin and the error and transgression that Adam has committed. So, all of this actually agrees with what the Bible has been teaching. Now, why is this important, by the way? The reason why I bring this up is that the essence of the gospel is sin and salvation. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. Lost from what? The lost who strayed away from the presence of God and they don't know how to get back there. No wonder Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, they strayed away, 
They're living in darkness. They don't know how to find the light. And therefore, they don't know how to find their way back to heaven and to the presence of God and to reestablish and reconcile and restore that relationship that was lost with God and have peace with God. Romans 5 tells us that now we have peace with God, basically. Nevertheless, uh, the, the importance of this is that in Christianity, biblically speaking, when you read the Bible cover to cover, you understand the purpose of God's redemptive plan. We disobeyed God in Adam. All of humanity fell in Adam. We are sinners in Adam. We're born sinful in Adam. Jesus came to seek after us. In Christ, we are sinless now. Our sins have been forgiven. Not talking about the inability to continue to sin, but at least the sinful, uh, basically, uh, the sin that separated from God has been forgiven, paid for. And, uh, you know, uh, our transgressions now as human, as weak human, uh, this is part of our process now of being uh, sanctified and to grow and to confess our sins to one another and to continue to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit for our walk. Okay? It is not a green light for us that our sin has been forgiven on the cross. That means we ought to sin. But it's not a surprise also that people who are saved in Christ still stumble. We're still living in our human nature, not in our perfect nature yet. This is part of our sanctification process. At some point when we die or because uh, of uh, resurrection on Judgment Day or when Christ comes and takes his saints then we will become perfect at that time, and there'll be no sin whatsoever in our nature. But so far, yes, our sin has been forgiven, the sin that separated us from the presence of God. Now we are united in Christ, back with God relationally. And one point in, and some point in the future, we will be there also physically as well. Okay? Now, when it comes to Islam you really do not understand the purpose of why people are on earth. Why are we on earth? Why are we continuously separated from God if God has indeed uh, forgiven Adam and Eve for the fall and for uh, disobedient to God? So this is why it's important, because the Bible gives you a clear idea of understanding sin, its devastating outcome, and its solution in Christ. Whereas the Quran and Islamic teachings doesn't really explain to you a whole lot, and therefore a Muslim person is left really to only um, depend on his own good works for his admittance back into paradise. The possibility, I should say, that he might be admitted into paradise because Islam doesn't offer any guarantee whatsoever or assurance of salvation and therefore, a Muslim person, rightfully so, will tell you that I can do my best and hope for the best when I meet God and that he will bestow his mercy upon me. And hopefully, I will not be punished in the hellfire for any of the sins that I've committed. So there is a lot of ifs in there, if this, if this, if this. And therefore, the Muslim person is left uh, basically wondering uh, what chance does he or she have to make it to paradise and when that might be accomplished. So this is why... Uh, this is fundamental to our belief in terms of who the God of the Bible is as opposed to who the God of the Quran is. 
And as you can see, just by looking at the doctrine of sin and salvation, or at least what we have scratched yet, I mean, we haven't scratched the surface on this, I should say, what we have been exposed to in this episode, tells us right away that there is a fundamental difference between the nature and the character of the God of the Bible versus the nature and the character of God of the Quran. When we come back next week, we will continue along the line of this particular doctrine. We begin to see uh, how uh, this will play out from an Islamic theology versus from a biblical theology. Well, um, as always, it's, it's a pleasure to always um, be with you and to uh, uh, connect with you. Uh, always uh, a pleasure to hear from you. Uh, the way you can connect with me is by emailing me at Sira Ministries, Sira, C-I-R-A, Ministries in plural, Sira Ministries at gmail.com. And I love to hear from you, as always. And um, until we meet again next week, have a blessed day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.